Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of On The Bad Bar Podcast. Today's guest is Hamish Smith, who joins me to talk about his role in creating the 50 Best Bar Awards, his role in being the editor at Class Magazine, and it's now rise to classmagazine.com, and some of the content strategies he's put in place in his career. This is a really great story because Hamish has really traveled the world telling people and opening the eyes of the public to the bar trade and I think we have a lot to thank him for, for where we are today. If you love this show then please like, subscribe and share to all your friends and family. Uh, please leave a comment if you want me to update or change anything about the show. One question I did have is, are the shows long enough? Would you like me to interview people for a longer period of time to, to really go into a bit more detail? Uh, so all these things you can just leave a comment or send me an email which is also in the show notes uh, as always I mentioned about my Patreon account which you can join the community uh, and give a small monthly donation which will help A, my editing and <laughs> B, uh, me kind of improve the show in terms of equipment and getting better guests on the show uh, and C, really just be part of um, the sort of audience and, and help me grow this community um, so enough waffle from me. Once again, this is on about bar podcast with Hamish Smith. Uh, enjoy. Benjamin Franklin once said, "In wine there is wisdom, in beer there is freedom, and in water there's bacteria." No bacteria here. This is On the Back Bar, hosted by Christopher Manning, an industry expert, author, and bartender who's been in the industry for over a decade. On the Back Bar is your gateway to talking to the people behind the scenes at bars, distilleries, and vineyards around the world. We'll talk to the experts in the industry about future trends, people, spirits, cocktails, wine, and everything else. So kick your feet up, pour your favorite drink, and hang out on the back bar. This is Christopher Menning. Hamish, thank you so much for joining us on Back Bar today. How are you doing, man? I'm good, thank you. Yeah, very good. Um, strange times here in the UK. Um, lockdown, but um, but you know, soldiering on. Good, good. We've um, we've had tough times here in Bangkok. We're uh, currently on like a mini lockdown, but uh, I know the UK has had uh, quite severe troubles. Um, how is the hospitality trade faring? Are they doing okay? Um, it's it's kind of a waiting game at the moment. Um, uh, they are helped by the fact they get furlough payments for their staff, but um, rent payments are mounting. So we'll unfortunately lose quite a few bars uh, to the pandemic. Um, we're hoping that maybe by late spring um, we might be able to open again, but um, there are no announcements so far. So um, yeah, it, it's pretty grim out there at the moment. Oh, well, uh, we'll try and uh, stay away from the doom and gloom a little bit, but um, I really, uh, I'm so glad you came on the show because you've done so much for the industry. You're involved in a, a lot of media and sort of uh, even the 50 best, and uh, I think there's so much we can cover today, but uh, I'd really like to start with uh, your origin story and how you got into sort of the role you're in today. So uh, unlike probably most people in this industry, I didn't come at bartending or, or the drinks industry um, 
from working in bars. Um, I think I, I managed one shift in a pub when I was 18 um, and, and I was quickly found out. Um, <laughs> I, don't think I, I don't think I've got the brain for remembering multiple orders and being reactive. Um, anyway, so I actually came at this from a, from a, a journalism background. Um, I studied to be a journalist um, with the intention of going into print uh, newspaper journalism. Um, so I did some work experience with UK newspapers such as The Independent um, and a few local ones as well um, and, and quickly realised that this was not <laughs> the job for me. Uh, There's a lot of shouting, uh, very low pay um, and it was just generally quite intense, you know, going to court cases and um, taking notes about murders and things like that. I just thought, wow, this is, this is heavy stuff. Um, yeah, yeah. So, um, funnily enough, I ended up um, through a friend of a friend. I got some work experience um, on Restaurant Magazine, um, and because I was interested in food, you know, it was it was always a, a hobby, and I'd never really thought, oh, why don't I combine the two? Um, so, funnily enough, I was I was not working on the world's fifty best restaurants, but certainly in the same office when that was all happening, um, you know, 15 years ago. So that was kind of early-ish days of World's 50 Best Restaurants um, and working as, as part of that team on work experience. Um, and then I did some other food-led titles, Delicious Magazine, did some work experience there. Um, but it, my first proper role was at Drinks International. I, I took an interview um, at Drinks International thinking well I, I you know i like food there's not much of a leap to to whiskey and to to wine um so i had something to say in the interview um you know it, even if you don't know much about the subject um it's it's i think if you're interested in it and you have the raw skills of a journalist then then you can you can get there pretty quickly um funnily enough you know all drinks journalists you know you've got to start somewhere a bit like a, a bar back or something you know, you go in and you find yourself writing news, um, you learn that way, um, learn on the job kind of thing. It's just the way it works. Um, so, so I took that job in 2010. So I've been with Drinks International now, it's my 11th year. Um, I've, that, that role has, has changed somewhat. So um, for the first three years, I was, I was a, a, a roving reporter um, getting to travel the world and 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 when I think back you know I was, I was always very ambitious I always wanted to be you know the web editor then I wanted to be the deputy editor then I wanted to be an editor um, but actually when I look back those those early years as a reporter where all you have to do is go off go to tastings travel the world visit places write about them they were they were quite something they were really special um, yeah, it, yeah, it, it was, like a, and a and it suited me. You know, I was in my twenties and um, didn't have kids, uh, didn't yet have a mortgage. It it was great. I could just I was going away probably <clears throat> twice a week um, for little two three day trips around Europe. I would travel the world, um, so to you know uh, New Orleans and places like that. Um, but but as I as I kind of progressed, um, the editor at the time was a guy that's just retired called Christian Davis. And he, he appreciated the bar scene, the bar sector, 
but you know, he was a guy kind of in his late fifties, early sixties, and he, he just thought, well, that's that's the job for you. This is a, a young man's job. So I, I kind of ended up focusing on the bar industry. Um, and when the deputy editor left, who was um, in charge of the very young world's fifty best bars at the time, I took that over. So in two thousand and thirteen, I became the editor of the world's fifty best bars, which was a supplement to Drinks International. Not much more. It just become an event. Um, we put on an event for a few hundred people, um, and it wasn't really the, the global concern that it is now. It, it it was it was very much in its fledgling years, but but with huge potential. Um, so when I took that on, I, I didn't really know what I'd got at the time. To be honest, I, I kind of knew that it was exciting and, and daunting at the same time, um, and. It was it was fantastic. It um, I was getting opportunities to 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 fly around the world even more to to stay in the the best hotels and and visit their bars and to um, you know bartenders from around the world would be contacting me every day asking me about what is it. So they would fly me out to different areas of the world and um, I would do talks on what the world's fifty best bars is. And that 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 period was just a golden period kind of between 2013 and 2017 as the editor, it was it, seeing something grow and just really take off was, was, was a really, really rewarding time. Did you expect it to, to reach the level it's at now? Um, I, I knew it had potential, but you, you know, I, I'm in my thirties now, of course, but um, back then I was probably a bit naive as to, to what it could be. I think, you know, we always had the, even though they were owned by separate companies, the world's 50 best restaurants um, was the halo, you know, that, that was the brand that you kind of thought, well, if everything falls into place, if cocktails really take off um, and if we do a good job and if we, if we engage with the trade and the trade respect the list, believe in it, um, then maybe we can get somewhere close. Um, so, you know, we, we took it as far as we could as a, as a small company. Um, it was sold early 2017 to, to William Reed, the owner of the world's 50 best restaurants. Um, so, so we were kind of, we kind of incubated it and, and, and got it to the level we could get to, but bear in mind that I was doing this at the same time as being a journalist. So, you know, I think, people assume that it was my full-time job to run the world's 50 best bars but but it wasn't it was it was almost like my hobby because right. um <laughs> drinks international required me to write news every day and, and and write features and then in 2016 i had to launch well, i didn't have to i wanted to I launch class magazine so you know i was doing multiple roles at the same time but I was just trying to kind of box clever. Um, so if I got a, a trip with, with Drinks International, I would add on a couple of days, I would do the bar scene. So I, I would try and fit in as many things as I could into every trip. Um, so, you know, I could see it growing. I could see it evolving. And I could also see that it was getting too big for me. Um, and whilst I hate to admit it, when it was sold, it was it was the right time. You know, it's, it's that old thing of, you know, the, the kind of the company that starts the brand isn't necessarily the best company to to take it to the next level to grow it into a medium or, or large brand um and we, we just didn't have the resources um and we, we weren't set up for that really to, to make it into a global kind of the digital global um brand that it is now 
um, you know, with a team of 10 people on it. You know, it was at the time it was kind of me and a part-time events manager um, and a, and a part-time designer. Um, and that was wow, it. Wow. So a very small team um, to sort of start all this off. Yeah. Yeah, that we're working and 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 the commercial uh, commercial director Roger Betru, who it was the two of us really that that kind of pushed it around the world. Yeah, and it, it was a small team, and and you know, probably if you, the managing director of our company probably had no idea how much time I was spending on it, but um, you know, if I kind of broke it down, he would have imagined it was I don't know one third of my job, whereas. Um, it was probably close to a half, you know, I was spending every waking hour thinking about it. I was getting messages every day, 20, 30 messages from bartenders around the world saying, Hey, what, what is this? How do we become a part of it? Um, and all that, you know, I think even though it's all my own time and <clears throat> I'm building a brand, you have to, you have to answer people. You have to um, try and engage with people as much as possible. Um, and even though it became too much, um, it was, you know, th- those kind of things build strong foundations, I think. For sure. I, I mean, you're still quite actively involved in it right now, not as uh, sort of the editor-in-chief anymore, but uh, what's your current role? It's sort of more UK and Ireland, right? Yeah, it's, it's currently, so I've, I've been slowly kind of delegate, well, not delegating, devolving, I guess, um, my role. Um, so w- when it was transferred over to William Reid, um, they had the editor, um, Will Drew, of 50 Best Restaurants. So he he took it under his wing and then they brought in Mark Sanson, who's done a fantastic job as well. Um, so that that kind of editor position was, was an in-house position. It wasn't um, a remote position. So I took on the role initially of um, academy chair for Europe, um, but also kind of, kind of consulting. So I've been involved in, in choosing the other academy chairs around the world. Um, and helping the guys out with that, particularly during transition, um, but also in the last year or so, we've we've created a lot of um, academy chairs around the world. So it, it's been really nice for me. The people that <clears throat> have helped me over the years um, in in choosing the voters um, around the world, I've been able to promote them to academy chairs. Um, so now I've I've even I've having. Um, appointed about 10 chairs in Europe. Um, I now, whilst I'm a a senior academy chair, I now just look after the UK and Ireland. And I can tell you it's a much, much easier job. (laughs) (laughs) I have about 10% of the voting pool to choose um, that I use. Okay. I mean, it's so cool to hear about this. And um, I think uh, it really has done so much for the industry uh, maybe in terms of exposure as well and, and kind of showing what the bar world is to to the wider audience. But I'm interested is um, a lot of the strat- strategies that you maybe implemented at the beginning, I'm sure they've changed a little bit over time, but um, what were some of the, the sort of initial uh, goals to, to the voting system or, or choosing uh, the voters? Yeah, so foremost for me, um, the way I looked at it was, I work as part of a very small team uh, with low resources. So how do we create a global brand um, without the ability to pay people to do the job? Um, And and the answer was to create ambassadors. Um, So if you can get people to believe in what you're doing, um, if the list is credible, then they will believe in it. Um, And then every voter 
if you, if you um, frame it in the right way, every voter is proud to be a voter and then therefore is an ambassador for your brand. Um, so I went to great lengths to, to make sure that I was getting the right people, respected people with their, within their own local industry. Um, and then they, they would act as, as, as a mouthpiece for, for me in their local uh, market. Um, so they would, you know, it, it would be quite common for, for me to go to Tel Aviv or somewhere like that. And we would do a talk and I would involve the, the, the local academy members. Um, I think calling it an academy as well probably helps. Um, and, and, and yeah, they, they would really be, uh, they, they would speak for the brand as if it was their own. And I think that's, that was kind of the great achievements. I think, um, people just felt a sense of ownership. Um, and that, that did mean giving away some of my powers. Um, you know, it's, it's, I've never really wanted to do it in an autocratic kind of way. Um, so if you kind of devolve and, um, give ownership to others, I think you can build a really strong brand. Mm. Now, I'm sure there's one question that a lot of the listeners are going to be wanting me to ask. Uh, so hopefully you can answer it. Um, what does it take to be uh, a world's 50 best bar? Well, it's, yeah, it's the golden question. Um, right. <laughs> I'll give you the kind of party line, which is um, we, we trust in the professional opinion of the voters um, and to kind of add to that, I guess I'd say, um, you know, if, if you get the right people voting, people that are respected, people that are knowledgeable, then you can trust that they know what a good bar is. Um, so we've never really gone down the route of having a very prescriptive criteria. Um, Cause I, I just think it, clarity is everything just, we're looking for the best bar in your opinion. You know, that's the question. Everyone has that idea in their head. Everyone has their favorite bars. Um, so, so yeah, we, how you answer that, I guess it, it is slightly different for everyone, but what you end up with is very knowledgeable people um, creating a, uh, a list, which, which is kind of a, a collection of their opinions. Mm. And do you get to know the list before the, the sort of award ceremony or is it quite yeah, harsh? Yeah, as, as a standard, chairs don't get to know the list, but I also the um, Drinks International is the media partner for 50 Best. So we produce the magazine ahead of the ceremony, uh, we handed out at the ceremony. Um, so yeah, I have it uh, a couple of months before so I can produce the magazine and get all the reviews written. Um, Brilliant, okay. So yeah, no, that, that is one of the fun, fun things, but you know, I've, I've, I've known what the list is before everyone else for kind of 10 years or so. So I'm pretty well practiced at, at um, not giving anything away. Well, that's good. That must be very hard as well with all the information. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it was at first and you know, you, you do have to be careful. So when we have the list, it's, it's, it's all guarded by password and stuff on computers. And uh, okay. We never leave um, pages of the magazine out on desks, uh, things like that. Just little things. It's, it's not that anyone in our office would deliberately uh, leak the list, but it's just, I think people that don't really realize the gravity of it might accidentally mention something. So yeah, we're very, very careful um, about information. 
but um, yeah, yeah, I, it's it's always fun to know the list before everyone else. For sure, I can imagine. And uh, I mean, obviously, most of my listeners know I'm Bangkok. Um, I'm a big supporter of the Bangkok bar scene and uh, uh, really Asia as a whole. And and you are sort of pivotal in creating the Asia 50 Best as well. Uh, mm. What was the decision behind that sort of? Uh, creating its own sort of uh, award ceremony just for Asia. Yeah, so um, I, I guess to, you know taking inspiration from from our big brother, World's Fifty Best Restaurants, who who did an Asia's Fifty Best Restaurants and a Latin American version as well. Um, we we kind of knew that there was um, a market, I guess, for a regional list um, at the time. So it was launched in two thousand sixteen. Prior to that, um, you would say that bar culture was stronger in America and Europe than it was in, in Asia at that time. Um, but we knew that there was an emerging scene, um, particularly in Singapore, Hong Kong, Tokyo's Tokyo, you know, it's had great bars for ages, um, but, but it was really developing around them um, in Asia. And we felt like it would be, it'd be great to highlight that. Um, and particularly as the world's 50 best bars at that time wasn't really um, serving Asia. Um, I, th I think people were just starting to travel out there a bit more. You were, you were starting to see uh, kind of big name bartenders actually um, moving to Singapore, to Hong Kong. Um, so we kind of felt like <clears throat> a few things. Um, the bars were good enough to have a list of 50. Um, but also the, the infrastructure there and the commercial side of things, you know, we felt like one day we might be able to do a ceremony um, out there and there would be sponsorship and all these other things that, that kind of turn the wheel. Um, so, so a number of factors combined. Um, but, you know, I, I, you know I'm, I'm, I'm an editorial guy, so I don't tend to worry about the commercial stuff so much. That was very much Roger's area. <clears throat> and... I just thought it'd be really interesting. And I think in early 2016, we kind of made the call to do it. And I traveled out to Bangkok actually. Um, oh, okay. And it, it, even though it seems a bit funny now to kind of launch it physically, <laughs> as opposed to just put something out online, but I kind of, right. I got a trip to Bangkok and I thought, right, we'll launch it there. I'll, I'll, I'll go to Bangkok and I'll say we're in Bangkok to launch Asia's 50 best, which wasn't, quite true but um certainly I, I spent a lot of time visiting all the bars in bangkok and getting the message out whilst we were there um getting more voters from thailand um and also just just building contacts from outside of, of thailand too um so you know within three months of, of being in bangkok we had uh, i built an academy of 200 people um in asia <clears throat> and it was it was quite interesting kind of splitting down the different markets kind of working working out where the voters should come from um you know i, I won't go into the exact numbers but but clearly i think everyone would realize that you have to have more voters in singapore than from vietnam let's say um right. or from uh indonesia at that time that started to level up a bit, but um, you, you have to kind of gravitate to, to, to where the strongest bar cultures are. So, so we built uh, an academy um, and I think I had about 20 countries represented uh, um, among the voters. Um, and we did, 
as we would normally do whilst well, 50 best bars we conducted the survey um and then we did a an online event um we weren't quite that was the year before the actual physical event um but we we did something digitally which now is all the rage of course mm. very true <laughs> <laughs> well i mean it, it's yeah like i said it's really cool to hear about this sort of uh the origin of the this amazing award ceremony has there been any um shocks for you because i know you obviously you like you said you get the um the results a bit beforehand but have you ever been shocked by the results or some of the people that have come out on top um not necessarily the winner um so i'll let you in on a secret i i always um run a like a virtual book uh between me and my colleague and just we 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 kind of <laughs> we, we take our guess as to who's going to win it and i give odds no money changes yeah. it's just a, a fun thing that we do um <laughs> we get the results um and i, I certainly had conort as as the winner it was definitely the favorite for this year um, okay yeah it's kind of interesting conor has always been an outstanding bar you know arguably it, it could have and should have won it before um, I don't think they've necessarily done anything that was beyond what they've, their excellence before. I just think they've always been up there and, you know, they finished second, third, a number of times, probably, I think in terms of consistency, they would probably be the most successful bar, um, over the last 10 years since they opened in what, 2008, 2009. So, so that wasn't a surprise and I, I didn't see any other bars that were really really pushing you know um that were doing such amazing things that they could they could kind of get the votes to get past the connor um i think a number of top bars have kind of lost their figureheads um you know naren young left dante um atlas has, has has changed bartenders over the years um so has manhattan um so the the kind of the big names out there, uh, American bars and is another. Um, they, they kind of felt like they weren't maybe at the top of their game um, in terms of recognition. I, th I think it always helps to have a figurehead in a bar that's been there for a few years. Um, I think that's that's definitely um, a string to the bow. Yeah, um, for sure. Um, no, I was just going to say like. There are a number of things that I think add up to, to winning the world's 50 best bars. And, and one of them is definitely continuity of a bar team. Um, it's not, it's not about the design. It's not about the four walls. If the head bartender is changing every year, you know, it, it has to be in the same way that if whatever chef left his restaurant, you wouldn't expect it to be the world's number one restaurant, you know? Um, so, so the, the bartenders, the people that work in the bar and the people that lead that bar are instrumental. Um, and, and you really notice a shift when, when bars lose their figurehead, they drop down the list. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree. And I, I'm really happy about the Connor as well, because you're right. It was sort of, uh, at the top for so long, never got the top spot, but, um, yeah, well-deserved. I mean, it's a fantastic bar and, and I think Ego and his team are, are stunning, uh, hospitality uh, people right they so, are. Yeah, good for them yeah fantastic I was, I was so pleased for him um you know over 10 11 years i've been talking to him and every time we talk about you know i, I normally meet up with him at some point uh, shortly after the awards and and 
or indeed at the awards and I always say our second you know maybe next year maybe next year and he, you know he always <laughs> it with, with grace and um, yeah he's very proud of his record and it was it was lovely to see him win it brilliant well let's um, let's move on to maybe one of the other projects you're you're involved in uh, so class magazine let, let's hear about that because maybe for some of the listeners they, they've not heard of class magazine um, so it'd be really cool because I, I love reading it it's got really great content um, you know just stuff you don't really find often. So maybe if you give us a sort of roundup of what class is and, and some of the amazing articles you, you produce in there. Yeah, sure. So um, class um, was first launched in the late nineties. So for a kind of bartender magazine, it, that's, that's quite a history really. Um, it, it feels young in our, in our publishing house because drinks international is about 55 years old, which, is, is, is pretty old and we've got drinks retailing news which is about 130 years old um, but but in in the certainly in the bartending sector i i don't know of any magazines that are older than than i think it was 97 it was launched um so yeah it's got a history it was launched by simon difford um who was who was really at at, at the kind of the, the leading edge of london's um Kind of cocktail movement in the late 90s you know this is kind of you know the guys at lab and um and and a few a few other bars at the time were, were really pushing forward with with kind of quality cocktails and fresh ingredients at a time where that just didn't really happen um and you know la- later you would you would have milk and honey etc etc um so differed you know is is one of the leading voices of of the drinks industry um and and class magazine was was his debut title so we're very proud of 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 our history um you know i guess strictly speaking simon difford and difford's guide is now a competitor but but i i I tend not to see it that way i just think he's part of the heritage of the brand Um, so the magazine passed hands a few times over the preceding kind of 20 years. Um, it, uh, funnily enough, ended up being owned by William Reed, which owns 50 Best, um, and, and went back and forth between William Reed and, and Simon Difford. Um, and finally, I think it went out of press in 2014, and was just dormant. Um, and in 2016, uh, our company, Agile Media, um, decided to... Um, raise it from the ashes. Um, so it was, it was quite an interesting process. It's the first time, and actually, I think probably a lot of journalists would go on record as saying, it, 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 in nearly all cases, you take on a magazine from a previous editor rather than launch or, or relaunch. So it was, for me, it was a very challenging and, and fascinating process to start a magazine from scratch uh, because all we had was the name we had class magazine and we had its history but we kind of made it our own um so we, we knew that class kind of had some some brand values i guess it was always seen as independent and um had strong robust editorial um honest you know so there were some key things that i guess we we took um and we tried to tried to transfer to our, to the new magazine. Um, but from a design point of view, um, it was completely new. Um, 
I think I made the decision pretty early on that I wanted to have nice covers. Um, so I spend a lot of my time thinking about magazine covers, probably more than <laughs> I do articles. Which is, the covers are great, though. Like, yeah, yeah really they're cool. Fun. They're, they're fun. Yeah, we've done uh, for, for anyone listening that that hasn't um, hasn't seen it. Um, we've done covers with Peter Dorelli in a bathtub. We've done bartenders in sports cars, and um, we've done Alex Cretina uh, and Monica Berg in a kind of futuristic. Um, shoot, uh, we've done uh, Ian is a ballerina, right? <laughs> a ballerina in a tutu, that was the most recent one. Yeah, that one's uh, <laughs> how did you convince him to do that? <laughs> well, it, did, it didn't take much convincing to be honest, right? Um, <laughs> almost all of the covers we've done, um, that, that's kind of key, I think. Also, once you set the standard, when, when you say to someone, Do you want to be on the cover, but do you have an open mind? you know they have to say yes and you kind of get the feeling if they're if they're a bit worried um a bit reluctant and then maybe not the right person um but he was straight away he was like yeah love it and i think it probably helped that it was in lockdown or you know all his bars were closed he was he was actually at the time i think it, it was fairly recently after he'd given himself a bowl cut um, he cut his hair in a bowl cut just just to amuse his staff because they were you know to cheer them up um, so he was looking to do some fun things essentially and and when I said look <clears throat> you know everyone's talking about pivots more pivots than a ballerina how about we dress you up in a tutu and a headpiece um, and uh, he said yep yeah, let's do it and you know I, I was on Amazon buying him a tutu <clears throat> and a headpiece and and white tights and uh, I sent them over to him and he sent me a picture. He couldn't get his tutu on. It wasn't big enough. So he then had to, uh, he, he took it to his local tweed tailor. This is like the finest tailor in Edinburgh. And he asked them wow. to make adjustments to a polyester tutu. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, but that's, that's when he, he's kind of, uh, he's, he's a bit mad and, and he's just a go getter. He kind of, you know, if there's an issue, he just gets it sorted. Um, so that's how that one came about. Brilliant. I mean, it's um, they're, they're pretty in-depth, some of the articles, some of the things you cover, not just about uh, spirits, but also, I guess, about uh, the trade and what's going on. Um, you know, some of the impacts of uh, the recent uh, pandemic as well. Um, what's your sort of uh, content strategy for Class Magazine? Yeah, it's... Um... I think our strategy is slightly in reaction to most trade titles, which seem to concentrate on brands. Um, so I wanted to write a magazine for bartenders and bartenders for sure are interested in the liquid, but they're also interested in lots of other things that, um, that are involved in bartender culture, you know, that they're interested in, I don't know, the psychology of taste. So we have a professor, uh, Charles Spence, uh, writing articles about, <clears throat> about taste and about um, senses. Um, we have yeah, features about growing your own ingredients. Um, we have business articles. Um, we have uh, uh, bar reviews, which, which was another really... Um, really crucial tenant of of what we do um you know i i really don't like cheerleading uh journalism um 
you know, and, and there's a lot of that about. And, and I get it. I think, <clears throat> I think at this stage, you know, bars are, are still quite young um, <clears throat> in, in terms of, you know, compared with restaurants. Restaurants, you've had kind of uh, food critics for, well, for as long as anyone can remember. Um, but this never really existed in the bar world. And I felt like we, we need that. We need to have honest conversations about whether something's good or not not just saying everything's great um, because you know in, in the end if we want to convince consumers that you can't just say everything's fantastic when some things are not because they'll, they'll know <laughs> um, and if they're paying 20 pound for a cocktail and it's crap um, you know it's 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 only gonna um, work out badly for the industry so, um, so we, we do honest reviews um, and I try not to make them too scathing, um, <clears throat> but certainly we say what we think about a bar and we've got no qualms about, you know, reviewing a bar and giving it three out of 10 or five out of 10, um, if it's fair, you know, if it's fair and justifiable. So, so we do bar reviews, we do um, interviews of people, we do spotlights on ingredients. Um, so I'm just, you know, I'm just as, as likely to be writing about lemons as I am about brands um, in fact more likely <laughs> um, we do demonstrations we do uh, reviews of kind of you know how to make the best classic cocktail and then we'll kind of do a lineup of 10 brands and we'll do like a blind tasting uh, to see how the best for example old-fashioned is made what whiskey is with um, so, so we try to have fun but we, we always kind of have this this um, approach of of well we, we call it straight talking journalism for the serious bartender so that that's our our strap line our, our slogan um and we try and keep as 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 close to that as we can brilliant and i mean obviously you, you write a lot about spirits and you're heavily involved in a sort of the brand uh i guess the ratings and uh the bartender uh favorite brands but yeah. I'd like to know what is it you drink at home? What's your tipple of choice? Um, so it, it depends. It's slightly different out, out of lockdown. Um, normally, I'd be going out to bars fairly regularly, so I would do my cocktail drinking mostly in bars, and then when I come home, um, I would tend to drink wine more. Um, but I have, you know, a, a quite a big collection an embarrassingly big collection of spirits as well um you do okay yeah yeah well i've probably got two or three hundred bottles um wow okay well you That's amass a serious them. collection yeah you kind of amass them over the years and and <laughs> um I, whilst i do drink spirits at home i you know i've hangover hangovers and kids don't mix very well so um, <laughs> <laughs> not a great cocktail those two um so so i i I, I kind of have the odd dram. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a whiskey drinker, I guess. Um, but, you know, I'm very much open to everything. I've, I've got every spirit under the sun in, in my in my booze uh, cupboard. Um, <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah, but it's pro probably scotch. I know it's a bit predictable, but I, I like I like bourbons and um, I like, you know, everyone likes gin, I guess. <laughs> I'm no different. <laughs> right. um, and, and Calvados would probably be my... Right, oh, okay, Calvados. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. I feel like uh, Calvados might have a bit of a, a revival, uh, maybe more of a young crowd coming into it these days. Yeah, it's 
it's showing signs of that. You know, with these things, I think you need <clears throat> you need a modern brand to kind of come into the market and freshen it up. Um, and that they've, they've you know, Calvados now has that with Avellan. Um, Tim judges uh, Galvados, yeah. Um, and and yeah, it, they, they've certainly done quite well over the last year or so. I think it's you know, I think Calvados is is just a fantastic product. I think there are a few spirits where you can really taste the the raw ingredient um, that made the alcohol, and and the apple shines through Calvados. I just think it's delicious stuff, um, and, and also you know, I, I just I, I'm also of the opinion that we should. If not Calvados, we should be making more apple brandy in the UK. You know, we, we, we're an oh, apple sure. nation. Um, cider, I'm all, I'm all for kind of um, rediscovering our, our own booze heritage, you know, not, not just um, kind of, uh, you know, I'm interested in, in international spirits, of course, but um, yeah, I'd love to see more people drinking cow, oh, you know, apple brandy and, uh, and, and cider and things like that in the UK. 100%, I, I fully agree, definitely. Many uh many times when I was younger, going to farms and uh, and trying different ciders. Mm, absolutely, <laughs> um, good stuff. Yeah. So uh, the annual brands report. Uh, we recently had the latest edition. I'd like to know, like, uh, what what are some of the trends you've seen over the twelve years of, of its uh, sort of history, and do you see it kind of um, a change in um, any more in the next couple of years? Yeah, I mean, we, we've seen some. Big changes, actually. When I look back to the early years, and and I think sometimes it's surprising um, when you see brands like Absolute as the winning vodka, and back back there it would have been Absolute rather than Absolute Elix. Um, and you see, in fact, it, I think it was Smirnoff and, and Absolute used to fight it out to be the the top brand in cocktail bars. Now that just wouldn't happen now, and it, and it seems completely foreign that that would that would even be the case even twelve years ago because in our minds I think we we kind of think craft um, and super premium uh, spirits have been kind of with us forever, but but really they haven't. Um, they were starting to come through around then, of course, but but bartender brands actually were often you know we were still in in the mindset I think of oh don't use really expensive liquid because it's going to be mixed. Whereas I think we've, we've completely U-turned on that. Um, back, back then, 12 years ago, I think it was, it was normal to want to use a blended scotch, um, not a single malt in a cocktail, um, to use, you know, a kind of a, a standard premium vodka. Um, whereas, whereas now I think people see the value in putting the best ingredients um, in cocktails in the same way a chef would use the best ingredients in a, in a meal. Right. Um, it, 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 it makes perfect sense to me, but, but it's really interesting when you kind of look back and, and, and see the trends emerge. Um, certainly I think there's, there's always been an opportunity, particularly in the last five or six years for, for small craft brands to emerge one, ones that garner favor in the bar trade. Um, and you can see it, you can see it happening very quickly. Um, it's it's often two three years uh, the brand really really finds traction with the kind of high end community. Um, it it can make quickly. Brilliant. Well, I think we'll wrap up very soon. And, and once again, thank you for coming on the show, man. I really appreciate it. 
just a few more questions before you go. Um, so, I mean, this year is obviously, um, we were kind of hoping it would start off better than, than 2020, but, um, you know, is there anything you kind of want to maybe say to the, the drinks trade, I guess, as a whole to, to sort of look out for this year for help in survival um, and, and maybe uh, some resources to look at if they're struggling? Yeah, well, um, one thing I haven't mentioned, um, the there's a new resource um, launching next week, which is classbarmag.com. <laughs> just just okay. to add my own product. <laughs> yeah, class, class Magazine has, has been in print, I think, for forever. Um, and we are finally launching a website. So that will have loads and loads of articles about... Um, about kind of surviving and thriving um, through COVID, um, how to diversify your business, um, what to do, you know, on a personal level, how to um, maintain your own sanity, uh, stuff on bartenders exercise and all kinds of things that, that will help get people through. Uh, you know, I, I don't want to underplay it. It's, it's a really tough time. It's a tough time for everyone, not not just bars. Bars are obviously closed, but with bars being closed, the industry is is closed um, because you know, whilst bars are are the kind of mothership, um, there are so many other sectors that that spin off bars and, and, and the mechanism of of booze being sold to bars. You know, whether it be brands and distributors to PR companies to media companies um you know everyone's struggling out there at the moment but i do think you know that we cannot forget the very simple fact that the demand has not changed you know people still want to drink in fact they want to drink in bars more than ever so if we can just get through this period <clears throat> particularly for those countries i'm, I'm really talking about the uk but i, I guess that works for, for many countries whose bars are closed um if we can get through this period you know by any means necessary whether it's delivery cocktails whether it's taking a part-time job doing something else whether it's being furloughed or, or whatever if we can get through it I, th I think once we get through the fog um there'll, there'll be bright times ahead i couldn't agree more that's uh, really well said definitely well the last question hamish before i let you go because i'm sure you've got a lot of things planned for today yeah. but um Obviously, we're all hoping that the the world opens up again. We can travel, but I'm interested. Where would be the first place on your list to go, and which bar would you like to visit? Um, gosh, I, I think I would probably say the Court in Rome. Ah, um, okay. Yeah, it's it's overlooks the Colosseum. Um, I mean, the the pictures of it look completely unreal. It opened last year. Um, a guy called Matteo Zed opened it. Um, he's a great bartender and someone I've known for a while and he, he's been trying to get me over there to, to see it for a while. Um, and it's it just looks like the most fabulous place. So um, I would love to finally get to visit that bar. Yeah, I'm going to check it out now. Brilliant. Yeah, have a look. It looks like it's superimposed. Like <laughs> it looks oh, okay. Well, man, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. And uh, for the audience, um, all the links for uh, everything we mentioned today, including Drinks International and Class Magazine, will be in the show notes. Hamish, thank you very much. Thank you very much, Chris. Really appreciate it. Thanks.